Welcome to Warrior Connection. Respect and information is what you get from the Progressive Radio Network and Dr. Gary Knoll. Dr. Knoll has done incredible documentaries on the health and environmental effects of military operations and on the civilians and all the military personnel of our nation. He's taken a leading edge in trying to get homelessness solved for the veterans. And we're going to continue with leading-edge information, information that you're not going to find on the major media, information that you're not going to get from the VA, from the military. Well, one of the things that's plagued everybody since antiquity, and especially in the U.S., is contamination, environmental contamination, affecting the health and safety, affecting the water supply, food supply, in and on and around military installations, whether they're here in the continental United States or abroad. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we got the number one expert in our nation, Mr. Gavin Smith, on it today. He has a uh, research website where they're doing collecting information, trying to help veterans. And again, civilianexposures.org is his website. Gavin, welcome to Warrior Connection, sir. This is an honor. Oh, thank you very much. The honor is all mine, my friend. And I'm not sure about the number one <laughs> expert in the nation, but uh, we do what we can. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you've got an incredible website. You've got base after base contamination. We have uh, what we call a Superfund site in the military in, their, in order to avoid responsibility and all the complications come with the Superfund site. They did everything they can to prevent their base from getting listed under the Superfund site. Can you tell us about just fundamental basics? What is happening with this contamination at military bases throughout the United States and abroad? Well, it's a great question. And one of the things that I've discovered, this became a personal journey for me. If I can just step back a second about civilianexposure.org and, and why it was started. And my father worked at, uh, as a civilian employee at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And it's one of the flagships, really, for all of the base contamination discussions that have gone on for a long time because it's one of the largest bases to endure, or at least one of the largest base contamination issues to pop up in recent years. And uh, my father worked there for 25 years and uh, passed of acute leukemia in 2008. Uh, I learned in 2013 uh, that through a lot of uh, research uh, and putting two and two together that uh, his acute leukemia was uh, a result of the contamination and exposure to TCE, PCE, benzene, vinyl chloride, and other chemicals in water wells, including one with the highest concentrations right underneath his office building. So uh, once I found that out, I started to dig into this and, and develop civilianexposure.org. It's just a way to start to look into the Lejeune uh, issue. But once we, uh, once I started getting into this a bit, I found out real fast uh, that uh, there are a lot more uh, of the bases out there that have contamination issues. I started to find other communities out there, other people out there, other groups uh, that are all dispersed all over the country, really, that uh, are starting to figure out that there are contamination issues. And, and that really started to uh, concern me because I realized really quickly after all of, uh, seeing all of the bases on the Superfund list for contamination at one point or another that really this is a systemic problem. It's a systemic problem with the use of the chemicals or the, you know, the lack of proper use of the chemicals, lack of uh, proper disposal of the chemicals and that sort of thing. And so what resulted and what seems to be the case in, in, on many bases uh, is those chemicals are getting uh, poured into the ground or just disposed of uh, in an irresponsible way, seeping into the water supplies 
and uh, getting into the water wells, and then you have contaminated drinking water issues, you have soil vapor plumes that arrive uh, as a result of that, and, and you have generational health catastrophes that occur uh, for people that are in service on these bases, for civilians that work on these bases, uh, for children born on the bases. And so it's a big issue, and not just domestically. There are other bases that I've found as well, including uh, in Okinawa, for example, and other locations internationally uh, that also point to this being a systemic problem. Yeah, it's. I mean, one thing you need to know, Ray Clark, who is the other co-host of this radio show, he is at Camp Lejeune as we speak. Right. So this is where uh, Ray I, is. I was at Camp and, Lejeune uh, in 1967 and 1970. And, how long uh, have you no lived there, Ray? Back then. So, um, you know, they, I think they say it's about a million people have been affected by the water contamination. And I was just reading in an article from Stars and Stripes about Il Canawa, Camp Foster. Um, you know, they're showing high levels of banned pollutants in their water, too. So uh, I can appreciate what you're doing, Gavin. Well, and I'm just down the road from you, Ray. I'm about 20 miles from the base uh, right now here in North Carolina. And um, and, and so and you're right, I'm, uh, up to a million people at Lejeune. Um, and if you think about that and you take 100 bases or more across the country and you factor in just the let's just say a half million to a million per base on average of exposure, um, you know, that affects a significant portion, uh, you know, of the national community. And, and, it, uh, and when you factor in the fact that a lot of service members moved around to multiple bases, uh, then you get into multiple layers of exposure, uh, not just with the chemicals, but then with some other emerging contaminants. Ray, you probably know this as well about um, what's coming out now. I know in the Northeast, uh, I think in Horsham, with uh, PFOS, PFOA, and in the firefighting foams, that's yet another chemical right. that's that's emerged. So uh, there's the, that's why I keep going back to using the word systemic problem, uh, because it, it, they've deployed these chemicals at these bases, and then through whether proper or improper use and training, or just through, well, I'll just throw the word out, through negligence, uh, all of these health problems are arriving uh, with people years later. I know at the end, right, Desert Storm, I was involved in Desert Storm, and we focus on that and all the military operations on this radio show. But the hazardous materials issues in Desert Storm became paramount. It was a massive, massive problem. I mean, we're looking at hundreds of thousands of casualties now, not due to enemy fire to combat engagements, but to toxic exposures. And well over mm -hmm. 100,000 are dead out of the Desert Storm veterans. But at the same time, what we found out, working for U.S. Army Corps engineers, the military was found a total willful violation in NEPA. And this is about 1992, right at the end of Desert Storm, leading in and afterwards, it's all come out of highlight. And so we see just within the military a conscious choice to disregard NEPA, which is basically the National Environmental Protection Act. And so when we're looking at the chemical compounds, we got inorganic chemicals, we got organic chemicals, then we got all the biological agents, we got all the radiological materials, and then the other thing was significant problem across all the bases, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, is when you start mixing explosive residue with organic compounds and everything else, with radiological compounds, which are all over the place from DU and mixed together with everything, plus all the instruments, you got a real toxic nightmare. 
And uh, I think one of the things that everybody's got this, and this goes back to the old thing, a little dabble do you. <laughs> I mean, what have you found in all your research and everything? Is there still this expectation or an assumption out there by the general public that you've got to really get dosed with a lot amount of this stuff before any health effects, where in reality you were talking about micrograms? Well, you know, I can't speak you know, scientifically from a scientific perspective, but I can tell you this, is that I think one of the goals of civilian exposure is to try to uh, distill this information down to something that's, that's easily digestible by people who are finding us. And, and I think that's the thing. When I started research initially, it was just so overwhelming to get into the weeds of all of the, the numbers, what it means, what, uh, you know, what the extent was of exposure, what's not. Um, you can really get confused if you're not careful. And I, you're right. Is, is there a certain level? Yes, there, there are certain guidelines from the EPA and others that were set based on uh, safe levels for exposures and that sort of thing. But once you get beyond that, then you start to wonder, okay, well, uh, how much water did I ingest and, 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 and over what period of time? And how do I test myself for this? And, and, and where do I go for to uh, figure out if, if I was there long enough for exposure? And, and were there other pathways? Did I breathe in soil vapor uh, uh, intrusion through buildings that were had to be ventilated because it escaped into the buildings? And so you you have to really uh, you know you have to really digest all of that information. And then of course uh, the the VA I, is just speaking from my experience on this for the military. They they are going to uh, push back as hard as they can and. They're going to throw confounding factors into the mix. Uh, the two favorites that I've seen pop up are smoking and obesity uh, as confounding factors for a lot of the associated uh, disease risks from a lot of these chemicals. And so you really have to be on your toes, and you really have to, to get an understanding and a handle of what you have and, and, and the link to that exposure. Uh, but also I found that there's another thing that exists, Doug, is cultural. I found that a lot of military members do not want to speak out because they fear they have the sense of loyalty. Uh, there's a sense of loyalty to them from the service and the Corps, so therefore they have a sense of loyalty back to it. You know, they don't want to uh, do something that tears down uh, any branch of the service, but they do want justice. And so you have to walk that fine line as well and do what's best for you, but at the same time, you don't want to go against, uh, you know, a, a core that's been for you. Um, so there are multiple issues at play, both with the information and with the culture and then with the agencies involved. And so uh, it, it, it's, it mires down the process quite a bit. Yeah, I think when we look at this thing, and I think what you just brought up, and we've talked about this, Ray, and you can lean some, add some credence to this, we're military officers or military NCOs. I mean, myself, you know, I've been extensively long career, retired out of the military with 35 years of service, and yet the environmental exposures we, we had were significant. And I'm, I'm the last member of my team still on my feet right now, which is a scary thing. So we've got all these individuals in the Marines who were exposed to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. We know there were similar exposures out of Camp Pendleton in California, where my son is, we also know that within the Army, we have extensive problems. Fort McClellan, Alabama has been listed. I know you featured that on your, on your website. Mm 
The other thing, too, we get in the same thing right here where I'm living at is Chanute Air Force Base, which has the trichloroethylene problem and the massive PFC problems. And then on top of all this, pesticides seem to be a significant issue across all the bases, don't they? Well, you know, I've had some recent inquiries. I get a lot of reader feedback, and, and which is a great thing because I get a lot of tips from folks at different bases who have been at different bases, and it helps me to kind of formulate where to look next. And so one of the things that I had recently pop up in several instances was pesticides, especially, you know, use of Agent Orange uh, domestically as opposed to overseas, uh, and trying to track that down, you know, spraying with DDT, uh, in the 70s and 80s, and so uh, just uh, different chemicals like that uh, that pop up. And then you, you speaking of Agent Orange and others, when you go overseas, and you mentioned, you know, Gulf War, uh, you know, we had somebody who inquired a few weeks back, ran a story on it, about uh, Gulf War vets and brain cancer from exposure to uh, burn pits and munitions. So um, there, there, there are a myriad, so it's a large spectrum uh, within the military, whether it's you know, as you mentioned, through deployment or through uh, bases, uh, base environments that uh, that, that are of, is- of issue. And um, as you said, it can range from pesticides to munitions to uh, solvents uh, across the board. Uh, and I think it's one of those, uh, as we continue to pull people together and pull different stories and, and viewpoints together from different parts of the country, you, you begin to see the bigger picture. Well, the other Again, issue uh, we have, and I know I, I worked in the Marine Corps from sure, 66 to 72, and, uh, you know, when you're speaking about these contaminants in all these different bases, I was in Vietnam, too, and I was a ground troop up on the DMZ, so they used a highly concentration of Agent Orange up there to kill the, you know, uh, as a defoliant. But, I mean, by the time you – when I came back home uh, and I was at Camp Lejeune again, it's, it's so many cross-mixtures here that – uh, there were pollutants all over the place. Anytime, you, I guess you have people working with these um, with these pollutants, and they're not really responsible, or they're late getting off work or something. They may just dump it somewhere, and they don't realize that they're put into a water system. So, and so there's so many cross contaminations here. I guess the military has a hard time dis- discerning what happened and where and when, and I'm sure you run into that sometimes. Well, Ray and Doug, both of us uh, as well, before I even go any further, thank you both for your service. And, and I, I agree exactly with what you're saying. There are so many cross-mixtures uh, involved here or cross-exposures uh, that, you know, another problem presents itself. Even if you find out that you've had an exposure or at one base or multiple bases or multiple different types of exposures, then the next thing you have to figure out is, well, what do I have from that? What could I get from it? if it hasn't already manifested itself. And then if I want to file a claim, for example, where do I go? What do I do? Which one do I file for? Which one am I going to get something for? So, for example, if you're filing for Agent Orange, it's going to be different than filing for Lejeune, which is going to be different than filing for uh, something else. And so, uh, you know, and and I've had some folks say, well, you know, if you file under this, you'll get, get along further than you will if you just file this way. And so uh, there's a lot of, confusion out there as well uh, as to, you know, how to approach the claims process, how to establish that you have an exposure, you know, what types and from where and from the origin. So when you start to cross all of these different exposures from different locations, it's, it's hard to pinpoint uh, 
and and the delayed onset of all of these different diseases that are could be linked to these exposures are so long that you know unless you it leaves you with limited options and I'll tell you this from my perspective on Lejeune as a son of a civilian employee um, it is that you know if you don't find out in North Carolina within 10 years that you've been poisoned you can't even pursue legal recourse and so uh, unless you file a claim through the VA or through the DOD, uh, you know, and what, and then it's up to them to give to to give you assistance. If they don't, then it's already too late to pursue any other legal means, and so you're pretty much left holding the bag. And uh, that's a problem because a lot of these folks, you know, Levine's been going on for 30 years. Uh, uh, the pollution, you know, really didn't end until '87. And a lot of people really didn't start to find out about this in, in mass until at least 10 years after or more. Uh, and people I know that, that I'm meeting every day, I'm meeting people every day that have yet to hear about it fully or even understand what happened. And, uh, you know, a lot of people associate it with, well, it was just a minor thing. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, when you have over two, three dozen wells on a base contaminated, and then you're not even starting to tap into what could possibly have gotten into the aquifer system, which then would affect communities outside of the base. Um, that's a situation, for example, uh, in Okinawa, where they have, I think, seven precincts around the base there uh, that are now reporting contamination from uh, runoff or uh, seepage off of that base. So. Uh, it, it, it starts with the, the bases themselves, but then the surrounding communities, you know, could be a real problem down the road as well. And what do you do about that? Yeah, well, it it just grows and grows and grows, it seems to be. And uh, we've had a lot of guests on the program uh, that deal with other issues like uh, uh, depleted uranium and the uh, weaponry that they use in some of these, uh, uh, you know, artillery and, and uh, you know, the bomb ranges and such as that, and it's given off a lot of pollutants, whether it's in the air or land or sea or whatever it is, and a lot of people, I know North Carolina has always had a high case of um, cancer, and people have always questioned why, and now we might be maybe tapping in some of the answers that we didn't know before, but I know on my arms and my face and my ears, I have kind of a scaly, it's like an ulcer, I guess it is. And um, they, the VA even told me they really thought it came out of Agent Orange that, you know, began to affect my arms and such. That was the only places that was exposed to it. But uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate because in recent years I was, when I started going to the VA 32 years after Vietnam, uh, I finally went to them, and uh, I was in a very high combat area. And um, so anyway, they, they really put me right into the process, and they it was only about a year and a half, and they put me on 100% disability. And so that, that made it where they treat me for everything, and I'm, I'm thankful to God for that uh, because it doesn't matter what I have. It seems that they're open to that. But a lot of these people can't do that. They can't get the, uh, the coverage they need, and they're having to force their way into this thing. It adds to the, the moral issues inside of them, and it happens to uh, really cause them a lot of um, stress and things like that. So it's difficult for these uh, other veterans that, or civilians, some of the families. Um, and I really believe our children probably were affected more than even the Marines there uh, because of, they had the more lengthy time of, uh, if they were there for any period of time, they were young and, 
and their bodies were not able to adapt to those things. And so I don't know if you found that or not to be true, but uh, do you think the children grew up in those atmospheres and all or probably more affected than what we even realized? Uh, you know, you hit on a, the, the, a great point, and, and one of the things that, uh, in fact, one of the stories that has gotten a lot of attention, I mean, we just saw a, a ton of people reading it all the time. Even if I reshare it uh, over time, it, it always gets reads, and it's, I, I posed this question, and I said, does chemical contamination at Lejeune or other bases uh, cause DNA damage? And if you look at children, uh, for example, we'll just start with what we know, and that's through the CDC. They've got a study that came out in 2014 that uh, said that, uh, yes, children born in utero uh, were more likely to be exposed in high concentrations to certain uh, to, to, to the chemicals in the water and, and also would be predisposed to have a variety of conditions. I know a couple of folks that uh, were born on the base but didn't serve uh, and didn't work there. They were just children of Lejeune uh, who, you know, have multiple doctors and multiple medicines and multiple issues that they're dealing with right now in their 40s and 50s as they grew up, um, right. knowing uh, what happened to them. Um, there are uh, reports, and I've had people send this to me, and we're trying to track it down now, of a lot of, you know, stillbirths, a lot of... Uh, uh, basically, lots of dead babies that came out of that era in the 50s and 60s uh, that have been buried around at different locations in eastern North Carolina. Um, and we're trying to unearth those records more. But uh, so far, I think three or 400 records have been passed along to us of potential stillbirths or you know, short-term you know, infant deaths uh, from that era. So... Uh, absolutely, uh, there's other science out there that says that the, you know, this chemical exposure can, you know, can harm DNA. And then what happens is that, as you know, that manifests itself over time, gets passed along, uh, or if they're exposed in utero, it's passed along or directly influenced. And then later in life, uh, you have issues. And so, uh, absolutely, it's a multi-generational Healthcare catastrophe, quite frankly. That's, that's the only phrase I keep trying to repeat because it will be. It's just, it, it may not be there yet uh, in terms of, of definitive showing the proof and linkages, but if you just put all of this together, um, you know, it, that's the road we're going down. And whether the problem again goes back to a lot of this stuff doesn't creep up on folks until, you know, 15, 20, 30 years out in some cases, and if the time lapse of limitations is up, what do you do? Uh, if you're a civilian or if you're a child born at the base and you don't have access, as you mentioned, to VA care or the VA system, where do you go? Uh, we found one of the biggest issues, too, is that you, know, you can't find out about this with your local doctor. If you're at a private doctor, they have no clue about this. Um, you know, who makes the VA or the military inform the community about what's going on? Uh, what frequency uh, do they communicate it, if at all? So uh, a lot of folks out there may be going to their regular private physician and would have no cause for concern or alarm because their physician's not even aware of it to bring it up to potentially screen. So you that's, know, that's the purpose uh, of this radio show. I mean, when we look at trichloroethylene, the VA now has come up with exactly presumptives. 
So for if you're a Campbell Hewn, North Carolina, and now this is applied now, we can apply it to Schnoot Air Force Base right here in Rantoul, Illinois. We can apply it all over with TCE. Adult leukemia, aplastic anemia, and other myeloplastic syndromes, bladder cancer, kidney cancer, liver cancer, multiple myeloma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and Parkinson's disease. For example, one of the Air Force majors here is another one on our team member, best friend. He's paralyzed from the chest down right now. The VA is paying for it, and this absolutely due to Parkinson's disease from his confirmed contamination, exposure, trichloroethylene, and the Agent Orange at Schnute Air Force Base here in Rantoul. Not a question and a story. So we're seeing this across the entire nation with a nightmare of medical problems. Uh, for those of us who retire military, we got access to obviously our medical care that we have, you know, as a from lifetime thing, or if you can get a VA disability. But we're seeing the same medical problems across the board in the civilian world because it doesn't stop at the fence line and it doesn't say, well, I'm only going to affect the person on active duty. It's going to affect everybody. I, I mean, to me, it's just a, the, uh, a, a nightmare. The, uh, and each time I read your, you know, your weekly revelations that are coming out, and people are writing in, giving you more information about the extent of the problems across the nation and overseas, it's downright frightening. I guess that's why the um, the healthcare system is, or the VA really, uh, and the government is a little slow on acting on some of this stuff because if they if they fessed up to it and they realize or helped you to realize that we were affected or our families were mainly, it would really the claims would overload the entire healthcare system to the point it would just cripple the entire thing. And I guess they have to drag their feet and you know put their head in the sand kind of thing in a way to keep from admitting to it because if they do, people are going to run to them. Uh, they have all these healthcare issues and and nobody to help out right now. Well, one well, of the problems we're working on right now is in Hawaii. Hawaii, both the main island, Hawaii, and Oahu, have significant contamination on from military operations. And the funny part about this, even when you get the military or the VA's own document that confirms the health effects and the medical problems and directs medical care, when they translate that into the civilian world, the military and the VA deny any correspondence or correlation between the exposures and the health effects, even when just sort of like now with TCE, the VA is absolutely saying service connection, assumed, presumed, we're going to help you. Why Why do you think this is happening? Do you, do you have any indication? I mean, are you getting pushback from the military and the VA on all your work? Actually, no. I, I'm not getting a lot of pushback on it. I think, uh, and, and I'll just speak again from experience. I, I, I joined in uh, briefly on a panel um, that was a community panel for Camp Lejeune and, and went down to the CDC a few times, met with some VA folks and, and that sort of thing. And, and I'll just I'll just say this, uh, that there is, uh, they, I think they are trying to keep it on a base-by-base -base basis. Uh, I think they are... Um, I, I think they're mitigating their costs and risks, uh, and I think it's, if it comes out in, in bits and pieces, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the, the progress lately on Lejeune in terms of the eight presumptive conditions uh, with some of these chemicals and uh, you know, is a good step in the right direction. It's a small first step, 
uh, and it certainly took way too long to get to that step. Um, but it certainly doesn't cover a vast myriad of other, you know, conditions. And I think there, there's, and I don't want to besmirch the VA. I say this all the time. There are people in there. I met some good ones in there, you know, and some that are former service people. They want to do the right thing, want to help people. And there are others. I, I think the problem is, you know, I think you hit on, I think it hits into the bureaucracy of government and, you know, the concerns for cost control. And it also plays into the politics of things and, you know, how to pass a bill that can help but doesn't break the bank or overload the system, as Ray was saying. And so uh, there, there's a little bit of all of that at play. Um, and I think there are a few in there that, uh, you know, are defending, uh, you know, the government or the military or the VA at all costs because they don't want to lose the fight, so to speak. Um, I remember specifically, and there was a high official in there, and I won't mention them on air, but uh, I can certainly tell you who it was in private, I uh, was on a phone call from the VA, for example, in one of the meetings that I was in, and uh, basically, you know, talked with, you know, very dismissively about the whole situation, didn't want to discuss much of it, was kind of set in her view of things that this was not a uh, connected issue, uh, and even put out some PR and press in in the press uh, about how, well, there's no real... Uh, there's no real concrete evidence. It's it's subjective at best, and and uh, we're still looking into it. And and then they we've uncovered that they passed around some uh, some uh, educational materials within the VA uh, that were uh, a little bit ridiculous uh, in terms of educating the folks there to address the issue. And then on top of that, uh, we found that a lot of VA locations simply just don't know. They're not telling them about it as much or not passing the information around and training everybody. Uh, and I've had reports to us. Now, I think that's slowed down now. But I had reports where, hey, I walked into my VA here at so-and-so location. And, uh, they've never heard of this. Or I tell them about it and they say, we can't help you. You need to bring in some more information. So. Uh, like I said, you're right. I think it's a it's a it's a bit of a slow walk, uh, and there may be a purpose behind it. Um, but that's more my objective opinion on it, or subjective opinion on it, than it is for certain. But uh, you know, the appearance of that is is certainly the case. Well, you know, the economic implications because when we look at redevelopment of closed military installations, and you know, the term for that is a FUD, formerly used defense site. And then we're looking at economic development. Obviously, if we've got a health and environmental hazard there, this stuff is not going to take place. I think right here in Chanute Air Force Base with the contamination, I mean, matching Camp Lejeune and every place else, it's just horrible. Everybody looked at the military as sugar daddy. Oh, well, they provided, they provided, they provided us for all of this. We were involved. We participated in this. And we didn't know about this. Now, wait a minute. They wouldn't not tell me. They wouldn't cause me harm. They wouldn't have allowed this to happen. And we're slowly finding out not only did they allow it to happen, they didn't respond once it started to happen. Well, and I think there's an economic component to it, uh, as you mentioned, that uh, is uh, with the surrounding communities. I, I think you have, you know, you have obviously Jacksonville, North Carolina, I can speak for Eastern North Carolina, Second Ray, that you, know, you have all the bases here uh, in Cherry Point. You have Bogue Field. You have uh, uh, Lejeune. You have Fort Bragg. So Eastern North Carolina is, is heavily uh, 
involved in military, and so so are the communities. And I think if you withdrew those, let's say Lejeune was declared Superfund and off limits, it's too contaminated, can't do anything, we got to pull out of here. Uh, then your economic uh, environment would pretty much fizzle up in a heartbeat here, um, and I think that's part of it too. I, I think they don't they want to go enough to help, but they don't want to go too far uh, on the other side of it, on the business side of it, on the economic side of it. To uh, and the communities are saying, wait a minute, you know, let's we want that base here. We need that. We need those jobs. We need that economic uh, influx of capital. So. Um, I think that's part of it too, and I think uh, that's why this weaves into our the surrounding community so much. Um, and, and there's a fine line between uh, just going after them, saying it's completely just ridiculous, versus you know addressing the problem at hand and dealing with it uh, without shutting all the bases down everywhere. Um, that's why, again, it's a systemic problem that just needs to be addressed. And I think I think the biggest thing, and and, and this is again, this is my personal feeling on this, and and I let Ray and others talk about it too, but I, I just wish we had a choice. You know, you mentioned they didn't really intervene even after they knew that it was starting to happen. Uh, you know, my dad probably might have had a choice if he was told in 87 uh, or even 83 or 82 that, look, you've been here for 10 years already and you might have been exposed, but, uh, you know, if you want to you want to find, you want to take the risk and stay here and continue to work here, great. If you want to go somewhere else, uh, knowing this, you know, good luck to you. Uh, he might not have stayed until 98, and maybe, maybe that would have not have reduced his exposure at all. He might have had enough in him by then to still have what happened to him. But he didn't have a choice, and he didn't have the information. And we didn't have a choice because we didn't have the information. You know, even when he passed, we didn't know. We thought it was hereditary. I, I thought I started screaming myself. I'm going, wait a minute. Am I going to have leukemia? Is this in our family? Is this an issue? Uh, some of the other things he had, too. I, you know, it, it, it made me question and start getting a little hyper about my own health. And I'm wondering, wait a minute, you know, what, what is this? And so, uh, and then when, you know, it took five years after his passing to figure this out and learn about it for the first time, uh, even though this has been going on since, eight, since the 80s. So uh, I think the VA or other groups, you know, the bureaucracy, I'll say, when I mention that, you know, I think, and I found this, they will do exactly what you want them to do if you spell it out. If you don't, and it's very broad, and you leave a lot of wiggle room uh, and leave it up to them to, to sort it out, uh, any of the details, whether it's communicating to folks, uh, whether it's the, the claims process itself, how many people to process, what to process, how often to reach out to people, all these different things, if you leave it to them, uh, I think the bare minimum will be the result, just by nature. You know, Gavin, I, I harp on it sometimes, and Doug probably gets tired of it, but I, I'm always talking about the, the huge mass of military we've had since the you know, 1950s, really, and before Vietnam. And since that time, we've had massive military. There's been a couple of cutbacks with, with um, you know, some of the presidents we've had in the past, but we've always had a large military and part of our freedom and and they've always pushed those things to strength and all these things. But whenever you have that type of military, plus I read something a while ago, a couple of hours ago, or a little while ago, 
And it was about the lackadaisical attitude of the 40s and 50s that we drove cars without seat belts. We had uh, the baby set in a mama's lap. They just went through several things that we survived many years from until all the environmental things began to come out. But, you know, people back then, they didn't think anything about taking oil out of a car and throwing it on the ground or pouring it down a drain somewhere. We had sewers out of a city that running right into the rivers. And so it's no wonder we spent years before we got it cleaned up a little bit. And today it looks so magnified, but people still had that lackadaisical attitude that probably, you know, came out of that era of where we weren't thinking really. And now we're suffering because of those things. So it's gone on for a very long time, and now it's just a massive amount of it, and it's everywhere. If we think we've got a bag, go overseas to Russia or China or places like that. They're still doing the things we did a long time ago. And um, we've destroyed this earth, I'm telling you. It's, it's, it's a I mean, mess. The, the better living through chemistry concept that took off some years ago were convenient, so they're using all these preservatives in the foods, they're using all of these uh, pesticides to promote crop growth or control disease in crops. they got all the household materials. I mean, you go to an older house, it was made with real wood or real plaster, and now you see all these combined materials, and all these things are outgassing, and, I mean, creating a significant, a significant problem. And it, it gets so scary because the military... If you're in the military and you're affected in the military, either as a veteran or retired military or family member, you got TRICARE, you got the VA medical care. But when you get in the civilian world, there is nobody that picks up the, the military exposures. And then what so many vets have found out is if you get a civilian health insurance at your workplace, military operations is excluded from coverage. And... And so we run into a, a, a political nightmare. For example, right here in Rantoul, we've got a great mayor. He's not responsible for what happened, but he's left holding the ball on how he's going to respond for the civilian and the military personnel in the area. Because we've got to mitigate the, the remaining existing problems to prevent any additional exposures. At the same time, we have to provide medical care for the, the hundreds and thousands of people that are affected. I, I, I suppose, Gavin, what you're try. doing is you're you're really uh, bringing a lot of things to focus, and there's a lot of people that are benefiting from everything you're doing. And, and also, I want to tell you, I appreciate your father um, for the work he did, too, um, for this country, for supporting us and uh, at Camp Lejeune and such. But, um, you know, what you're doing, you you just can't get the word out but so much, but what you are doing, you're reaching a lot of people with help and at least letting them know what is going on so they can tell their doctors and their doctors can be more aware of what's happened. And, you know, maybe they can get some kind of help from the government. And uh, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing. I, I, well, I thank you. That, that, it means a lot because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small but mighty little organization, uh, really me and a couple of volunteers, to be honest with you. And, and uh, I, I have a, uh, marketing journalism background, and so for me, I just I just figured, how do I apply what I have to to what I can do, uh, or what we can do to try to do something? And so uh, that's why civilian exposure came to light, and 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 it's just to get the information from all corners, 
pull it together and, and, and make it make sense and give some direction and, and make it as a beacon for people to find it. Uh, because it, I found that, you know, you find some media reports here and there and disperse about different things, but, uh, you know, until you, uh, you come to one place and kind of see it all together, do you really understand the scope of it? And, and then you can begin to process it, understand it, and then start to figure out what to do about it. And that's, that's my hope. I, I agree with it. I just want to, I hope that if, if, if what we do can help one family get, a, get out in front of this a little bit, or it brings more attention so that there is more, I guess, relief or assistance or some sort of accountability or justice uh, that comes along as a result of it, then, uh, then I, I feel good about it. Uh, right. I'm going to keep doing what we can. So. Well, you've already helped me because in using your documentation information on your website, when I presented to my own physician at the VA and the civilian physician, they're all of a sudden seeing light because they have the knowledge to understand it. It's just they didn't know this occurred, and they didn't think about that in relationship to the health care they're providing. And I had that conversation earlier with our pain, my pain management doctor, early, not even two hours ago, and saying, okay, this is where we're at. This is what's happened. Here's the interrelationships. Now what do we do? That is the question, isn't it? What do we do? And, uh, you know, it's, it's – um, I, I – you know, there's a lot of things that a lot of folks are doing, you know, like you and the rest, organizing the communities that are affected across the country and trying to bring us all together, uh, you know, to have a unified voice is, is one aspect of it, is trying to get the word out and education to, to doctors and officials that need to know so that they can better help uh, folks. And then it's, it's trying to get the government to say, okay, you know, uh, yes, we messed up. Yes, we don't want this to become a financial nightmare for us, but we're going to approach this in a responsible way and make sure that the people that were affected and impacted, uh, you know, get some form of accountability. Uh, you know, I, my, it's, it's the, the thing I always tell people, and just like with you guys in the service, and my dad did two years in Korea in the Army, and I always, you know, think about this for, for, for him and for you and for others. You go overseas, you go to a war zone, you fight, you survive it, you come home and you get poisoned. Does that make sense? I mean, and, and, and then as a result of that, you know, we'll care for our wounded veterans but abroad, but we don't care for them that are wounded at home. And, and, and you and others have been wounded by this poison. And a lot of people have been killed by this poison. And I, I think it's only fair that, it, you know, for, for people to go overseas and go abroad and take the risk, then, you know, why expose them to a risk, an unnecessary risk here at home? Now that we know about it, why continue it? If you have these toxins or chemicals or solvents on these bases today, why not find an alternative solution and get them out of the system? If you still have these firefighting foams that have PFOA and PFOS in them and it, you're, you're finding out that it's a, a emerging contaminant concern, Find a replacement. Get it out of the system um, and, and do it in a hurry. And so uh, that's, that's my thing. I, I just hope that uh, I just think we, I think you deserve better. Anyone who served deserves better. Anyone that's supported deserves better. Uh, and I think our government needs to take care of it uh, in, in a responsible way. Uh, and, and that's my hope. And I hope that folks can, can get the help they need. 
Well, I think your website, I mean, you're actively, I know that's how I got involved and met you guys. I mean, we heard about you, and then I shared some information, and you shared more information. But you're actively soliciting information about environmental exposures or events that took place on any military installation, so people can go to your website or get the email and just click on and contribute. And this is just, it's it's like a snowball. As you gather more and more information, the clarity becomes greater and greater and greater, but then the need for medical care and environmental remediation is obviously overwhelming. It, it really is a snowball when you I've, – I've seen it. I, I personally, you know, I see all the emails coming in. I see all the, the people signing up for the newsletter. I see the traffic that comes to the website, and I've just watched it over the past year and a half. And, and the stories that come in now, and, and I, I, it, 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 some of them are just – heart-wrenching stories, to be honest with you. And it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to read. Uh, I, I'll be completely honest. It's a tough thing for me to read sometimes because uh, I, it makes me wish that I could do more for them than what we're doing now, to be honest. I, I mean, I know this is, I hope this is helping, but, you know, some of the things you read, you just, your heart goes out to them and you wish you could do a lot more and, uh, and a lot faster than what things are doing now. And so, um, you know, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you reached out, Doug, and others, and, and, I, and I'm glad to, to reach back out and, and to keep that conversation and keep that network alive uh, is the is the goal. Because if we can do that and join together and become a larger force, uh, you know, eventually they're going to have to start listening. You know, one of the things that we've ta- Ray and I have talked about, is everybody else, you, you're, you're kind of another one of God's gifts here. <laughs> You know, all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, here comes this, you know, this whole thing, and you're put it together, you're getting the information out, you're collecting more information. The information that's being put on the website is very clear and comprehensible, so the average person can understand it, and then we can take it to our doctor. Uh, I think, and we had this conversation before, and all of us who served in the military, we got this reluctance to admit or acknowledge that they screwed us over, that they didn't that they didn't know what the hazard was, or maybe they didn't know what the hazard is, and now they're trying to sweep it under the rug. For me, that's frightening. I mean, do you do you get that sense coming across from everybody as you talk to them, or they communicate with you too? Yeah, I. The short answer, yes. Uh, it's you know, there's a common refrain that I see on social media: it's "deny, deny until we die," um, or "delay, deny until we die." And, and there, there's a, there are a lot of people out there, you know, especially in the Lejeune issue because it has dragged on for so long. I saw a commenter today said, "You know, you know we're talking about even the eight presumptive uh, steps or the conditions that were approved recently," and they said, and that they were moving on to try to add more, and they said. Well, it didn't help my, you know, my grandfather and my brother uh, and my friend uh, who are dead. And so, you know, so there are a lot of, and others who say, you know, oh, it's just more, it's more talk or it's just another news story. They're not doing anything. They're not moving forward or because they see, you know, gradual steps forward. It's, it, it, and this is my, again, my opinion, but it, it always looks like there's a step forward and two steps back. And so uh, I, I don't. I don't besmirch folks for, you know, being skeptical. And, and I think a lot of a lot of folks in the community, I, 
I hate to say given up, but I think they're at that brink point or that uh, turning point or, or uh, uh, of where they're just saying, you know what, I'm never going to get anything out of this. I'm never going to find any accountability out of this. They're never going to do anything about it. I'm on my own. And uh, uh, I think until our government steps in, uh, Congress and, and officials, and pass a comprehensive law, and, and that's, uh, in my personal opinion, that's the only way, is to be a detailed law that addresses the systemic problem and gives a detailed instruction on how to address it, how to compensate for it, uh, what the parameters are, how to reach out to everybody, how to notify everybody, uh, you know, the frequency and how to, to follow up and manage it. Uh, you know, you're going to get these little pieces here and there, you know, the Lejeune legislation, for example, then you might have the Toxic Exposure Research Act, which is another one. You know, you have the bits and pieces, uh, but until you pull them together and until you make it comprehensive enough to, to really do uh, make a change, uh, it's just going to drag out for a, a lot longer. And I wish I had better a better prognosis on it, but that's uh, that's what I see. And, and, and frankly, a lot of the readers are saying, you know, uh, what good is it going to do? Well, I know, you know Gavin, when you see a, something you on the news and there's a large fire or there's contamination or something, a, a spill, the media is there, the people with resources are there, the law enforcement, everybody's there because the cameras are on them. And so they're giving them all kind of treatments, all kind of exposure treatments, all kind of, uh, you know, health care benefits and such. But what you're trying to do is dig up things 30 and 40 years ago, and it's like we got to move on, guys, and that's their attitude. And it is, like you said, uh, uh, out of sight, out of mind, and then uh, if you ignore it long enough, they will go away. And we are going away. And um, like I say, some of us are very blessed to be able to have the health care, but there's so many people doing without it. But if they at least know what some of the problems, and go to your website, they can get a lot of information, I assume. And uh, they may be able to find some of the problems existed then. They may not get any benefit out of it, but they'll get the benefit of knowing what happened and be able to pass that on to a health provider. And uh, that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. Well, it's not just here. I mean, you had recently, and again, this again, thank you big much because you helped my colonel. Uh, you did a feature story of the contamination of Hohenfels in Germany. And lo and behold, he was there, and now he's got the medical problems, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now it's making sense. They didn't tell us, we didn't know, and this is what we encountered. And now it comes back to the same question, what do we do? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, not limited it's... to any one location. It. it and, and I guess that's part of the thing that bothers me so much as an environmental scientist, environmental physicist, who's zapped and affected, is the knowledge and the training and the education is deficient, and then the denials are even more frightening because of the economic or political implications. Uh, well, as Ray said, you know, we're in a society that's, you know, instant gratification, you know, fast consumers, so uh, news and information. And so, uh, as we said, I mean, you even look at Flint, for example. Uh, do you hear anything else about them? No. Uh, you might get a story here or there, but that's gone. Um, I think East Chicago is, is a domestic one that's coming up now as, as another contamination concern, but 
area as a regular community and not a base. But, again, that's just an example of how it will pop up and then it will go away. And that is the challenge is that this is a, uh, a, a toxic legacy of 30, 40, 50 years. And, uh, you know, it, it's such a slow-motion uh, disaster, really. Uh, one person I know and it just said it was a 9/11 in slow motion because that's that's kind of what it is. It's it's a you know as he said if it happens quick you know everybody's on it everybody can get attention you can do the the, the fundraising and all that and, and everybody's you know it seems like there's a lot of activity but you know with all this slowly coming out all the time it's uh, you know the challenge with the media even that I find is well what's new. That's what they ask when I reach out to them and say, "Look, you need to cover more of this. You need to well, what's new?" And so the only time they pop up is if a, if a new law is passed, or if a, uh, or a new contaminant is classified, or if there's movement in the courts. Uh, that's about it. Otherwise, uh, it gets pushed to the back burner until something new. And so, uh, you know, the problem is for us for out there dealing with this on a daily basis and talking to people. What's new is that somebody died today, again, from this. That's new. Uh, you know, more people are dying. More bases are popping up. More chemicals are added to the list. That's all new. Uh, you know, it's unfortunately not new enough for a lot of the news media. But. The other problem we have, too, and I think we've, again, with Schnute Air Force Base and other bases that I've looked at in the educational system as a teacher, we've seen incredible learning disabilities would the individuals where the children were exposed or their parents were exposed or they're continuously being exposed, and now all of a sudden when you pick up and find out here's the exposure and you're seeing the child, and all of a sudden, oh, my. We're seeing a long-term effect because the child's behavior in school and, and ability to learn is definitely affected. And then what we're seeing in the other generations, again, the ability to maintain the job and function is horribly affected because of the exposures. Uh, we got one family directly. I was just with them a few minutes ago. We're two several generations in one family were affected by the contamination on Chanute. And what do you do next? Well, we've got a major problem in this nation. And uh, the, the sad part is our economy is, you know, we don't have the money we used to have. Uh, President Trump's always talking about our big military trying to flaunt it for the world. But it's not that way because during the Obama administration, they got rid of a lot of the military, and we downsized so much. So he's talking about a military that is powerful, but it's still in the building process. So you know the money is not there like it used to be. Uh, they've they've you know abused it, misused it, and everything else. And the money, I don't think the money is there like it, well, like we hope it is or think it is. And they're really floundering just to pay the bills. And um, they're going to move slow. So I think it's up to the individual, a lot of this. Doug, we've talked about it a lot of times. It, it comes down to personal responsibility of trying to take care of yourself better than what you did, trying to be a little healthier, trying to do things a little bit better, find out how what you can do for your own personal life. And I know you have to deal with your problems, and but some of them may not get to care, but they can take care of themselves, and that will help somehow, some way. Um, you know, I, I'm a chaplain too, Gavin, so I always talk about the spiritual uh, life and how that has helped me tremendously. And so there's a lot of things we can do to help us to maybe take care of things until we get help. And, um, 
that part of my, you know, surviving. Uh, I well, I agree. I, you know, as a as a person of faith myself, uh, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, it it was a challenging thing to 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 lose a family member over it. Uh, you know, even more so when you uh, when you're on a plane flight from Phoenix, Arizona, and you've been given this documentation, and you you finally sit down for a long flight to read it. Uh, because you have a lot of time, and so you start to go through it, and you and you start to see the building numbers and the well locations and uh, what was in those wells, and then you find it's, it's that moment when the the light bulb turns on, and you go, okay, uh, you know, TCE, leukemia, uh, this water well, you know, under this corner, uh, directly adjacent to this building, where Dad sat for 25 years, you know drank from the water fountain, made coffee from the water. Uh, you know, they hosed off the equipment and the machines and themselves with the water. And uh, He sent his crews. He was in base maintenance, so he sent his crews to the steam plants and, you know, the water and sewer and you, know, you name it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when you put that together, you start to go, okay. And then when you start to reach out to the old crews uh, and people that used to work uh, with him, and you find out that they're all gone from cancer except one, uh, and they were relatively younger guys than my dad and pretty healthy too, uh, you, you see it. Uh, and one of the heartbreaking things that I saw was my dad's friend, and this is why I'm pushing the firefighting phone issue too now, is because my dad's friend who worked at the uh, fire department uh, at Lejeune uh, recently passed, uh, and he was healthy up until around age 80 and then had uh, three different issues come on him, uh, including um, – uh, two different forms of cancer, uh, and it took him down in three years' time. Yeah. We're about so out of time here. Uh, your website, civilianexposures.org, is that correct? Uh, that is correct, Doug. Well, hey, Gavin, thank you very much. God bless you. You're an angel that's been sent to us. I'm, I'm Thank God that we found out about you, that you've been willing to come on and talk to us. Can you come back and help us in, a, in the future, sir? I'd be happy to be here anytime you need, and, and you're too kind with your words. I just do the best I can, my friend. Only human, but I'll be happy to help anytime. Well, thank you very much, sir. Gavin Smith, civilianexposure.org, an angel helping our nation's veterans, our military families, civilians with environmental contamination around military installations. Thank you. God bless America, and a good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Gavin. Appreciate it. Thank you.